they say this is the season of Advent. But what does that really mean? A calendar with doors, each hiding a piece of candy. Wreaths with candles. Gifts. Candy. Trees. What Advent's really about is waiting. Advent is the purposeful season of waiting that prepares us for the coming of Christ. In fact, that's where the word Advent originates, the Latin word for coming. Advent helps us look ahead with hope for his second coming. It also helps us slow down in the materialistic hustle of the holiday season so we can share in the spiritual longing for the coming of the Messiah. This Advent season, how will you take time out of your busy holiday rush to reflect on what the birth of Jesus means to you? How will his promised return impact the way you live this season, loving others around you, encouraging those lacking hope? bringing joy to the broken, seeking peace where there is strife. Ultimately, Advent is about embracing the fact that our Savior came to earth and is with us every day. So this season, let's prepare our hearts to celebrate Him. How will you prepare yours? Kayla, Noah, and Isaac are going to do our Advent reading and candle lighting. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> there we go. All right. Today, we continue the celebration of Advent. The word Advent is from a Latin word meaning coming or arrival. The focus of these four weeks is to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Each Sunday, we will light a candle on the Advent wreath. Then on Christmas Eve, we will light all the candles, including the center one, the Christ candle. As we do... We, we will rejoice that Christ has come to us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. On the first Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of love, which reminded us of God's incredible love. This morning, we lit the candle of hope. It reminds us that even though we were separated from God because of sin, his gift of salvation was made available to whoever believes in Jesus. Today's scripture reading is from the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 12 through 13. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Awesome. Thank you very much.
kiddos, it's time to head off to Kingdom Kids. Let's give a round of applause so much we love them. And I'm back to the awesome Kingdom Kids now. Announcements as we continue through December. I believe the first one is Betty. Good morning. I'm just reminding everyone about Continuing Care Center, all the things that you can bring. The 17th is the last date. So let's just fill up the trunk with all these things. It's the chapstick, the hand lotion, shampoo, toothpaste, Toothbrush, a single wrapped, and deodorant, hair clips, anything that the elderly people would love to have. I'm not elderly, so I don't know. <laughs> For all those other ones, huh, Betty? All right, and now we have a youth announcement. So we have our Christmas party coming up on December 20th, and it's at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., so a little earlier than normal youth group. Um, and if you want to sign up, you can talk to Jordan, or you can go online and register there. Um, and then next, we have an announcement more on the mission side of things. So if you don't know, um, my sister, that's Layla, and her husband, Zeke, and their girls, Nyala and Makaya, are out in Kapswar, Kenya right now. They serve at a mission hospital out there along with Zeke's parents and um, a lot of other families, actually. They live um, kind of on a base that they call a station. Um, <clears throat> and they've been there for a year, and in the new year, a, a small group of us are going to go out and visit them for a couple of weeks. And so um, since they're out there, they don't have access to, you know, things as easily as we have them here. And so Layla has put together a couple of wish lists on Amazon. Um, and so if you would like to donate, um, we'll be bringing um, a few suitcases. So we'll be able to pack this stuff with us and bring it. But they have two lists. One is for um, the Rhodes family. So Layla and um, Zeke's parents also. There are things like camping meals, you know, like the freeze-dried stuff. Because um, they go out to remote areas of Africa where they don't um, have access to um, food as easily. So they can take that with them. They also have, like, cleaning supplies, um, socks for the girls, stuff like that. And then the other list um, is for the station. So there are a lot of families on the station with kids. And so they have a preschool there. They have um, a running club. There's, like, a little uh, tennis court, a basketball court, stuff like that. So um, there are... There's, like, tennis rackets on that list, um, school supplies for the students, just, like, stuff that's uh, kind of consumable that, that, you know, they kind of need to refill. Um, so those are QR codes, if you don't know. Um, <laughs> so what you do is you take out your camera, and you don't have to take a photo, but if you, like, like focus on the QR code, it'll pop up, there'll be a link that pops up, and it'll take you to Amazon, and then you can purchase a gift on Amazon, and it should ship to your house, um, and then you can bring it to church by Christmas Day, if that would be helpful, the 25th. Um, it might default ship to me, so if you don't get it, then we'll have it, and we can bring it, but um, it should ship to you, and then just bring it to church um, if you want to give, and so these are also available. The QR codes are on the welcome cart also. If you don't get it now, you can go scan it, and if you need help, let me know, and I'll help you. So that's it. Great. Yes. 
so many of you know, I, I had an opportunity with my wife to go out there this past summer. And uh, incredible ministry at the hospital itself. And the families that go out there are doctors and nurses. And so their primary calling is to that hospital. But there are families that live in the community there. And so there is an ongoing ministry with the local kids and the local, uh, just the locals that surround um, what they call the station, their neighborhood there. So uh, it is an incredible ministry. If you want to feel like, you know, you're participating with them uh, in a very tangible way, I can tell you, um, you know, it is humbling. You know, if you've been to Mexico um, and you've been to any really country outside the U.S., it is humbling. And uh, the simplest things for the, when I was there, um, just the kids playing with paper airplanes, making airplanes and spending an afternoon throwing airplanes, things like that that, that we literally uh, uh, can take for granted here. So I don't, I don't know for sure what's on the list, but if you really pray and see if God calls you to, to really minister uh, and be an active part of Layla and Zeke's ministry, it is a, it is a wonderful thing that they're doing out there in Capsular. Uh, finally, uh, this Christmas Eve, again this year, we've mentioned it a couple times, Christmas Eve is actually on a Sunday morning. And uh, this year, we're going to only have one Christmas Eve service. Traditionally, we would do a Christmas Eve uh, candlelight service at night, but with the calendar being what it is. We're going to still have a service at 10 a.m., but we are going to uh, uh, darken the room. We're going to block all that. So we are, if you've been here with us before, you know we light the candles, and it's just an incredible moment of singing and, and lighting candles. So we want to invite you, invite friends from the community, friends and relatives who might be in town. Great opportunity to do that. Uh, I also hear that we are going to have quite the Christmas spread of snacks and refreshments outside. So all those eggnoggers and um, Christmas cookies and all of that, we're going we're gonna to really do it right uh, for Christmas Eve refreshments afterwards. So we're really looking forward to that. So invite your friends and family. A great Christmas message. And again, we're still going to do the candles and everything. So we're going to do our best to make that special as well. Good morning, church. Good morning. Right on. Celebrate the advent of hope. I've got a big, big surprise for you, though, right now. I have one more announcement. Actually, it's a praise. Yesterday, the men descended on Bass Pro in Rancho Cucamonga. It was early. We've got the brothers. I mean, they shopped hard, right? This is the checkout line. I mean, look at this. These guys, look at that cart back there. We had little ones in the cart. I will tell you this. Men do not ask for directions. We just don't do it. This is part of the thing. So we provided an address for both Bass Pro and the Hat Pastrami Establishment in Rancho. Oh, there it is. Uh, all right. Pretty cool. So men will use technology, and they'll brag about it in their car, on their phone. So that's how we get places. Look at that. We got Joe's got a... Double chili burger. I'm telling you, that thing, when you unwrap it, resembles a soiled diaper. <laughs> but it's really good. Oh, this is a, what have we got, a double cheese there? You've got to do CPR on a burger like that for a minutes before you can get it even in your mouth. So, oh, look at it. And as a kid meal goes, right? This is the Funk Granddaughters. That grilled cheese looked awesome. So as a kid meals goes, that was it. So we had a great time. Praise the Lord. We fed fish. There's our group by the aquarium as they fed 250 night crawlers to those bass and trout and what, what all of else is in that tank. It was quite an experience. So praise the Lord. Uh, as we go out as this coming year, 2024, um, 
We're going to get together as families, not just the men. We're going to schedule a lot of things. I want to uh, put together a time when we can go on a Saturday as families to the Reagan Library. Just go out as people of God into the world. Just go out and show the folks who we are. Yesterday, uh, we get to the checkout line, and this young lady says, oh, I'm really sorry, we're out of bags. And I'm going, come again, it's December the 9th, and you don't have a bag, we've got carts full of stuff. Uh, we just threw it in the bed of the trucks, and we proceeded on, it was all good. So that was a test of faith right there, we could have gone off on it, but we, we rose above it. Uh, Dodger games, right? We'll put together a few Dodger games where we'll give, provide information for people can purchase their own ticket and ride and pay the exorbitant parking fees and hot dogs to pay for our new phenom pitcher first baseman combo. $700 million in 10 years. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I suppose. So, that's that. The Word of God. Advent, we lit the candle this morning. What is that? Uh, it's the arrival. The Advent season is the arrival of Christ the Messiah. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. His arrival brought that hope. His crucifixion on the cross solidified that hope. And we're going to combine those today and what it means for the believer. I always like to start uh, a message like this with uh, kind of our Tuesday night Bible study home verse verses, which is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Have our hope. We study. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Or one may be. So what does that mean? What? Go to red. Go to red. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, all right. Well, uh, that's going to just cut my theatrics in half. <clears throat> what does this mean? True or false, right? The Bible is true, as written, inerrant. There isn't anything that's in there that shouldn't be. There isn't anything that isn't in there that should be. Period. This is God's word. When you read scripture, you are reading the word and instruction of the God of the universe. Sometimes God gave the writers in scripture his exact words. Other times he used their minds and vocabularies, experiences to produce his perfect, infallible, inerrant word. There's no contradictions. No contradictions at all in 66 books. Nothing is in this word that shouldn't be. It's not a buffet. We don't go down the line of God's instruction and say, oh, oh, yeah, I like that one. Give me some of that. Oh, give me, a, give me a bunch of that one. Oh, oh, not that. I don't like that. He's the God of the universe. He provided the scripture. When we believe, we follow him. Kingdom kids understand that's what they're being taught back there right now in one form or another. They sing songs. Jesus loves me, this I know. Because the Bible tells me so, right? Well, the Bible tells us so. There's a lot there, and I love it that the kids get to 
Learn that straight up. So when did we become believers? Was it because we came to church? Because we went to church as a kid? Because our granny went to church? Right? No. Not because we said a prayer out loud. Anybody can say anything. Actors read scripts all the time. Anybody's capable of saying anything relevant to a relationship with the Lord. When we verbally profess Jesus as Lord of our lives, he knows the heart. We do not. Scripture instructs believers to recognize fellow believers by fruit that they produce. Fruit for him. Changed lives. That's how we know. But the Lord knows immediately and thoroughly. Professing Jesus as Lord means we seek to emulate his perfection and ways in all that we say, write, think, and do. Everything. Because we're of him, he instructs us, we seek his perfection. We never get there, but we seek it. That's our motivation and goal. Repentance of habitual sin. As the Holy Spirit reveals sin in our lives, we cease and desist. We change direction. Not everybody knows what they're doing is sin. Throughout my several dozen years, uh, I have had things exposed to me that were sin in my life uh, in just the last few years. And when it was exposed, we worked to make that change. Let's look at 1 John, his first epistle, chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. I'm going to read that part again. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, period, punctuation there. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You realize what that says? If you're born of God, if you're born again, if you're in the family of God, you have overcome the world because he overcame. He overcame sin, he overcame death, all of it. Let's look at that word overcomes. It's the Greek word nikao. Simply means to subdue, literally or figuratively. Conquer, overcome, prevail, and get the victory. When one gets the victory, it's noticeable in anything. If sin has hold of one's life, and you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be victorious. He knows this. The world, it's Satan's worldwide system of deception and wickedness. We need to remember that he's on the job 24-7. Satan has a terrific work ethic. He never quits. He's there all the time. Even when we think things are going great and he's not looking at us, He's constantly looking for a way for the believer to stumble and destroy the testimony that you have to grow Jesus' kingdom. Several years ago, there was a, a phrase in the 90s. Rich, you remember this. Uh, WWJD, and we all had the, the wristbands, right? What would Jesus do? Well, that was great. It wasn't just a youth thing. It actually came, was a phrase coined by a Charles Sheldon, uh, Topeka, Kansas pastor, in a book that he wrote in 1886 titled, In His Steps. What would Jesus do? As a believer, as a follower of Christ, 
ask that question for everything that comes up in our world that we wonder, what would Jesus do? Because the answer is in his holy word. I want to talk a bit about sanctification because that's huge here. As we go through some of these scriptures, if one does not have a relationship with Jesus, they might just think, oh my goodness, what am I even doing here? Sanctification is simply a battle over time. It moves towards his righteousness. Ultimately, when we're with him in heaven, we're like him. But while we're here, we're a lot more like we are than like we were. And we're inching closer to being in Jesus' righteousness. It means that we've changed both our minds and our direction. This is why we have hope. Because he came, lived a sinless life. We're celebrating his birth in these next few weeks. Great celebration. But it's his redeeming work on the cross is ultimately where our hope is. Let's look at a very familiar verse of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if we believe in him, are we saved? Yes, that's what it says in scripture. Of course we are. What does that mean? The Greek word for believe is pistioo. It means to have faith in, to entrust, especially one's spiritual well-being to Jesus. The big one, committed to trust or put trust in. It isn't, I believe in Santa Claus. It isn't, I believe the Rams will probably choke today. It isn't stuff like that. It's sincere and it's absolute. We are committed to him as Lord of our lives. It means that his directive in his holy scripture is how we live our life, how we measure everything against what would Jesus do. It comes straight from here. If we're committed, we're incapable of quitting. Did you know that? If we're truly committed to anything, we're incapable of quitting. I have a sister in Christ right now who's been committed, not just to Jesus, but to a path of a healthy future for four years. She's committed. She's been committed. She remains committed. She doesn't know what God's ultimate plan is. Things seem to be taking a turn of unfavorability. But she has hope in all of this. The sister, I know you're looking at online. I know you're watching live streaming. Know that we're all praying for you. And we're glorifying him in the hope he brought for you. If we're committed, again, we're incapable of quitting. If we do quit, we were never committed. It's simple, really. You hear all the time of people that have walked with Jesus. Remember the parable of the soils? Remember the three soils before we got to the cultivated heart? The cultivated heart were the believers. Those that shot up, that the church could see, that looked like they flourished. When the trouble came, when the trouble came, they, they fell away. 
To have hope, we must be saved. When we have hope and we're saved, we receive his indwelling Holy Spirit. Now we're going to go down a, a road where we have his Holy Spirit in us, and you're going to see, a, you're going to see God's, God's path for us here in the scripture. John 10, verses 27 through 30. It reads, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Remember, he knows everything. He knows everything. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So the flock of sheep are those who are saved. Those have this hope. His sheep hear his voice. That's the committed believer, right? God's word. When the committed believer reads God's word, they hear the voice of God and directive in their life. Conscience. Um, I came to a relationship with the Lord as an as a elementary school kid, so I didn't have a lot of life behind me. But those of you that came to the Lord later in life that lived some, lived some life, you know, our conscience, we recognize because of the directive in this word, we recognize what is sin in our lives. And our conscience convicts us of that. Some of you may be experiencing that right now. There's something going on in your world. It's the word of God. It's that relationship. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells within the believer that tells us constantly, I shouldn't do that anymore. And this happens immediately. I did this twice on the way here, driving down Ojai Avenue, on this road. Coffee was spilling in the truck. Oh, okay, I shouldn't think that anymore. Not cool. This is what I'm talking about on all kinds of scales. He says, I know them. He does. He does. A definitive yes or no. He knows us. Again, anybody can walk down an aisle. Anybody can tell any of us that they're, you know, Jesus is Lord of their life. But there's fruit produced that would show us if it was truthful in that conviction. Fruit's going to be produced. The sheep follow him, the scripture says. All of the sheep, not just some of the sheep. There aren't any sheep in his flock that don't follow him. The sheep have hope. Jesus gives his sheep eternal life, it says. They will never perish. That's hope. Never perish. Once separated from God in darkness, now promised life in his light for eternity. This is the very definition of hope. This is why we're here. This is why we follow him. Eternity with Jesus. Nobody can snatch his sheep from his hand. Once saved, always saved. There isn't any saved and, you know, you stumbled and fell and, oh, he kicked you out of the family. It doesn't work that way. We're going to fail. We're going to fail continually. That's hope. He finishes that scripture saying, I and my father are one. 
This was before the cross, Father, Son, Holy Spirit now, Trinity. All equal. The God of the universe comes to live within us as a constant resource. Remember, some of us old enough to remember the test pattern on the television set? Remember the TV went off at like 11.30 p.m. or something, and if you were a consumer of cartoons, you got up early, you were ready to roll, and there was this like rainbowed graph and this beep going on. The national anthem would play at like 6 a.m. You don't have to wait for Jesus. You don't have to wait for an hour to come where he's available to answer your question. He's there all the time. To have this hope, we must be one with of Jesus' sheep. We must be saved. Let's look at uh, John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to him, this is Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 moment. This is the word of God. He's telling all of humanity in his holy word, that the only way to a relationship with the Father is through Jesus Christ. Jesus declares that he's the only way to God. He is the truth, of, the truth of God, the life of God, and the only way to God. And that's a factual reality in Scripture. So how do we know if we're his sheep? This is a common question. Thankfully, God's word of truth is very specific regarding this question. Uh, we're going to spend some time now in John's first epistle, chapter 3 and verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. It's going to take an interesting turn here. Maybe you've never given this any thought or consideration or study, but... Our hope is committed believers in Jesus' return. That's what we hope in. He said he's coming back. And we live in this world, in this life, to grow his kingdom. He uses us. He puts people in our path. He puts us in the paths of others. He wants us to share his love and his truth with everyone. Believing in Christ's return changes a Christian's behavior. It just does. Free will to repent or remain in habitual sin. Supernatural assurance that we can have victory over habitual sin is the Holy Spirit. He tells us we will have victory, his victory over habitual sin in our life. Let's look at verse 4, 1 John 3, 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Let me stop there for a moment. That word is referring to habitual sin. This isn't what happened to me on the way here, bumping down Ohio Avenue. This isn't when you pulled in the parking lot and went, who's in my spot? Okay? These are stumbles that we make. We stumble. Habitual sin requires planning. You know what it is. Scripture's full of definitions of what that sin is. There's a long laundry list of things in our lives. That's what he's talking about. 
Again, habitual sin, lawlessness. The Western synonyms would include, this is bad enough, anarchy, chaos, disorder, mayhem, free-for-all. That's what lawlessness means. The Greek translation, biblical definition, violation of law or wickedness. As new creations in Christ, committed believers, we have a built-in defense against habitual sin. Built-in defense. Put on the armor every day. We study that frequently here. No salvation, no armor, no hope. Sin is lawlessness. Habitual sin is incompatible with the law of God. Habitual sin conveys the ultimate sense of rebellion, as if there was no law or ignoring that any law exists. Again, it's that buffet. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I like this. That's not our choice. Let's look at verse 5, 1 John 3, 5. And you know that he was manifested, means came into this world for this purpose, the birth that we celebrate, to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Another reason why saved, committed believers can't practice sin is because it's incompatible with the work of Christ. Christ died to purify, to make holy the believer. That's what he did. We don't get to change that. To habitually sin is contrary to Christ's work of breaking the dominion of sin in the believer's life. It just can't be. Saved, committed believers can rest in the hope that God's word can and will provide clarity to the question of salvation. Always. Let's look at verse 6, verse John 3, 6. Whoever abides in him does not sin, habitual sin. Whoever habitually sins has neither seen him nor known him. Again, a 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 moment. It's a reality check. Everybody takes this scripture in, starts to evaluate their life. I can promise you, Satan is working really hard to tell you right now, oh, oh, you're not a believer. You're just not. You, all the things you've done, are you kidding me? Well, he's here to tell you that you're forgiven for those sins. Forgiven. Erased as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember it. That was his work on the cross. That's it. Simple. But if habitual sin goes unchecked in someone who professes to be a Christian, John's statement is absolutely clear. Salvation never took place. It never took place. The hope we celebrate today would be absent. Those who abide in him have hope. Those who live with habitual sin don't. Simple. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
Notice the punctuation here. Certainly not, explanation point, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? When we received Christ as Lord of our lives and he invaded us with his Holy Spirit, we died to sin. You realize what he's saying? It's impossible to have habitual sin in your life when you're indwelled with his Holy Spirit. To continue in habitual sin shows a gross misunderstanding of his abundant grace and an utter contempt for his sacrifice. Either we believe what God says in his word is true or we don't. Simple really, again, uh, saved or not saved, hope or no hope. That sanctification I talked about earlier is a lifelong move for us to move in the direction of his righteousness. It doesn't mean that we, when we accept Christ and he knows our heart is cultivated and he comes to live within us with his indwelling Holy Spirit, that all of a sudden we're perfect, that we could ride down Ohio Avenue and bounce coffee all over our pants and not sin. He knows this. Constant work. This is how we're purified in him. We in this world will never achieve 100% of his righteousness. We just won't. We are sinners. We shouldn't be habitual sinners. Habitual sinners, no. Stumbling sinners, yes. Hope, again. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. We must remain relentless in prayer regarding salvation for those that we know, love, and care about. I'm so happy to see my sister Sally sitting over here because frequently on our Tuesday night Bible study, I'll use her as an example as someone who produces fruit of someone obvious to everyone in the church community as a believer, a committed believer in Christ. Because I'll ask the very simple question of our group. When was the last time any of you prayed for Sally's salvation? It's been a long time because we know Sally's a fruit-producing, prayer warrior, daughter of the king. Love you, Sally. <laughs> Let's look at 2 Timothy, verse 4, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. This verse was pivotal, I recall, in my ordination service several years ago. This is what we call the charge in the ministry. This is why I'm so passionate about coming alongside the flock and giving confidence that you're children of the king. It reads, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That means when people care to hear about it and when they don't, when times get tough, much like they are now. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. It means the preacher needs to be patient with the flock because that sanctification process is different for everyone. For the time will come when they will not hear, well, they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. My ministry is making crystal clear to anyone who has a question, salvation. It's a matter of life and death. There's only two teams that exist in the world. There's God's team and there's Satan's team. There's no box seats where one could sit safely and determine the team of preference. You're either on God's team or like every one of us was at one point in time on Satan's team. No one can belong to two teams simultaneously. We can't drift back and forth. Either one belongs to God's team and exhibits his righteous character or one belongs to Satan's team and exhibits his sinful nature. You know, every last one of us, again, was one time a member of Satan's team. When we commit to an abiding relationship with Jesus, we can confidently celebrate the hope that we celebrate in the Advent candle lit this morning. If we continue to procrastinate and reject Jesus as Lord of our lives, we will remain hopeless this Christmas season. Again, it's that simple. He makes it that simple for us to understand. My sincerest desire is that everyone leaves here today full of hope. Full of hope. If anyone joining us in the well today or live streaming, watching this at a later date, has been moved by the Holy Spirit regarding salvation, I encourage you, reach out following the service. You don't have to get up and walk down here in front. None of that, it's all tradition stuff, but none of that's necessary to receive Christ into your life. But do let us pray with you about it. Any believer, any believer in this sanctuary today, you can lean over to and say, I want Jesus as Lord of my life. And any believer here can pray with you and help you with that. It's that simple. You don't have to walk down here. That's great, happy if you did, but it's not necessary. If anyone likewise has a question regarding sin in their life and would like to receive counseling regarding salvation, please reach out to us either using the prayer cards that are in the back of each seat. You can email the prayer email online. You can email my email privately. Happy, happy to pray with you. This is important. This is a matter of life and death. I want everyone to celebrate the hope that we're celebrating here today. But I need to be blunt and bold and tell you that if you do not have an abiding relationship in Christ, you have no hope. This time of year, we see so many examples of, of hope in our valley. People decorate their houses, their yards. I love to drive down Ohio Avenue when it's dark and see the candles and the wreaths lit, hear the music. We play the music. We have the music we had today with the worship team. It's all full of hope, full of hope. But I often wonder what goes through the mind and what's in the heart of those that just see those things 
and would, through Satan's deception, not close that gap with Jesus and not have that relationship with him. That is my sincerest desire in ministry is to help one and all with that. Now the worship team can come up. In a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. Pastor Bill's going to lead us in that. Again, it's for believers. Oh, sorry, he'll probably cover that. Overstepping my bounds there. Hope. The hope that we're celebrating today, I beg you to leave here with it if you don't currently have it. Rejoice in it because we're all sinners that aren't perfect. Do a spiritual check if there's sin in our lives and let us help you through that and shepherd you through that.